I'm very happy to introduce you this morning one of my good friends that I don't get to see very often, and that is Father Robert Bolding, who is the president of St. Mary's High School in Phoenix, Arizona. Father Bolding and I were in seminary, seminary together at the Pontifical College Josephinum, and he was ordained a priest one year ahead of me. And it's been great. He got into town on Friday, and we got to spend some time together. He is a principal, he is a genius, and he is a NASCAR fan. And so he is in town for the Coca-Cola 600, and I think he would have appreciated in the midst of the sequence to have something about the driving away of the rain. Um, so we will see what happens uh, as the next days unfold, but even if the NASCAR race doesn't happen, I'm grateful to have Father Bolding with us. So thank you for being here, Father. Uh, so just to tell you, as we you know, kind of dive from introduction into homily, we were actually talking about this last night. I want to tell you about one of my favorite skits on a radio show that I like a lot. It's a show called That Mitchell and Webb Sound. It's, it's on the BBC. I don't know when it went off the air, but I know it's available on Audible because I have all the seasons, and it's one of my favorite things to listen to when I'm in the car. And there's this one sketch that they have, and I listened to it again on YouTube yesterday just to make sure I got this all right. And the way that it starts is kind of like this mysterious music and you hear these two voices say, welcome to the afterlife, Ken. And this guy goes, oh, am I dead? And they say, yes, that's very much the point, hence the name. And then he says, are you going to judge me? And they say, oh, no, 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 that's between you and God. We're the recorders. We're here to tell you how you did at achieving your life's goal. And this is how you did. 7,345 out of a possible 128,312. He says, what's that? That's the number of times you beat your computer at solitaire. And he says, solitaire? That's not my life's work. They're like, are, are you sure? It, it, it is the thing to which you devoted the most time. It's like, no, no. They say, well, what do you think your life's work was? I don't know, family, my career. They say, no, that really falls into the category of stuff that just kind of happened to you. No, the thing that you return to time and again, like Ahab pursuing the white whale, was beating your computer at cards. That's where you really put the time in. And Ken says, how much time? 10,329 hours, or a year and a quarter, which is pretty impressive considering you died at 29. And so Ken is distraught, and they say, well, what did you think solitaire was? And he goes, well, I don't know, a way to pass the time? And they say, well, your time has all been passed. Good job, you. And, you know, so it ends, and it's funny, but I will tell you, going back and watching it on YouTube was kind of a good way to go because you just saw in some of the comments exactly what I was thinking the first time that I heard it. Wow, this is a gut check, right? Because... We are not made to pass the time, right? Or that, that phrase, to kill time. We are created in the image and likeness of God. We are created for holiness, for adventure, for greatness. And the reason I bring that up today is because this is sort of like the grand, not, not really finale, but just sort of like the exclamation point of what we've been doing all the way back since the beginning of Advent. And it's not really an ending but just like a burst of wind in the sails that is supposed to carry us on to the end of time and the fulfillment of all things and the awesomeness of our participation in this. 
I mean, you go back to the beginning of Advent. We reflect on the fact that the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary that she would conceive of the Holy Spirit, bear the Son of God, who becomes one of us, right? Who lives out his public ministry, who goes about doing good works, who comes to the Last Supper, bringing his apostles together when danger is on the horizon. And what does he do? He washes their feet. He assures them that in the world they will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Take courage. I've overcome the world, even though in just a couple hours he's going to be arrested. He's going to be crucified. He will die. And as we just heard in this amazing gospel of the resurrection, he shows up showing his battle scars, his trophy of this is how much I love you, but doesn't respond like us, where the heck were you guys? No, peace be with you. And he breathes out on them the Holy Spirit. And today we celebrate 50 days later when that same Holy Spirit empowered them and that awesome wind blows to this very day, May 28th, 2023, in Salisbury, North Carolina. It continues to unfold. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we are made for this. We are made to be his disciples, to carry this good news to the ends of the world, to be set on fire. We are made for so much more than solitaire, than apps on the phone, than killing time. We are made to be saints. And that's the glory of this day is that as we face things, as we go out there, God empowers us with his very presence, his very self, his love, the Holy Spirit, that he gives us as we come and participate in the Paschal Mystery, as we're there at the Last Supper, the crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection. And I'll just tell you, because it's one of those things where we see glimpses of this all the time, and I just want to tell you about a few things from the last few days, because it's always unfolding. I was blessed to have two weddings, one on Friday, one on Saturday this week, for Ben and Allie on Friday night, for Yeltsin and Sandra yesterday afternoon. Never met a Yeltsin before. It's a great name. Consider it for your children. So Yeltsin and Sandra, lovely couples. All four of them cried. And if I'm honest with you, I cried a little too. It was beautiful and it was so good to be a part of it. And when you think about the very vows in the midst of the wedding, right? They don't say, and now we're going to live happily ever after. Everything is fine now. No, the very vows reference the fact that it ain't all going to be easy in good times and in bad in sickness and in health, for richer and for poor. We know that bad times, sickness, poor, they all exist. Our Lord at the Last Supper knew that his cross was on the horizon. And what did he do? He loved his own, and he loved them till the end. And you see in a wedding when these couples come together, you know, supposed to be like a, an icon of Christ loving his bride, the church, living that out by the grace of the Holy Spirit and bearing it out in the world. For Ben and Allie, for Sandra and Yeltsin, it's not as though yesterday, it's all done. No, it's the beginning that they go out there to face whatever may come, but by the grace of the Holy Spirit, inviting our Lord into the midst of it and our Blessed Mother as well, to be there with them to face whatever challenge there is. Think about our Lord at the wedding feast at Cana, right? Mary says, they have no wine. He's not a skimpy giver. He doesn't say, I'll go grab a bottle and be right back. He makes 180 gallons of the greatest wine anyone has ever had, pours it out upon them, right? He does the same thing for us. 
Our life is not just an exercise in futility. We're not just passing the time. He is giving us himself to face sickness, to face poor, to face worse, right? Whatever it is, fine. We're called to bear our cross and to move out there, to move beyond the cross to the glory of the resurrection, to have our own battle scars like our our Lord does. I'll tell you one of the great graces of getting to spend time with my friend Father Bolding the last two nights, and I'll say if I sound a little tired, it's because I am. Because when you talk to friends, you stay up too late. That's what you do, right? And it's great because he's 14 years ordained, I'm 13 years ordained. Not that we're old men, but you know, we're not the like young pups right out of the seminary we once were. And we're sharing war stories and things that are going on. And he said something that was very wise about a challenge that I had not so very long ago. He said, I'm sure that was hard to go through, but I'm be- I bet you're glad at this point that you've done it, that you went through it. I said, absolutely. It's like one of those things, like, I get to be a priest. I get this vocation. I have the Holy Spirit to help me through everything, and I can say to our Lord, here, this is what I did. You know, to be able to participate in those things is an amazing gift to have. I mean, just think about our parish in the last nine years. When I got here, we were $6 million in debt. And I'll be honest with you, it freaked me out. It's a scary thing, right? We had a visiting priest a while back, and I was just saying we're making a lot of progress. And he said, well, you know, the parish that pays together stays together. Now, he meant to say pray, and it was funny because he quickly corrected himself, but that little Freudian slip drop of the R, he's right, right? We've been in this together. And at this point, when the debt's almost done, we got to do that. We were a part of a difficult time, and yet... By the love of Christ, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we come together, we participate. Our Lord loves us. He wants our salvation, and at the same time, he respects our dignity. He wants us to be a part of the unfolding of the kingdom. He wants us to be a part of working out our own salvation and one another's. We get to play a part, and not just by ourselves. He doesn't throw us out to the deep end and say, good luck, kiddo. No. He says, peace be with you. He breathes on us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. We still have access to him all the time in the Eucharist. We know that difficult moments will come, but we also know that our Lord is victorious. Just one final thing in closing. So it's beautiful in God's good providence the way everything comes together. Not just the Coca-Cola 600 this weekend, but Pentecost and Memorial Day. And just like we did last year, we have our wonderful Greg Fisher, who is given of his time, and he's going to play taps. So today, at the end of the Mass, instead of a normal recessional hymn, Greg is going to play taps, and we'll process out in silence. And you think about taps. You know, it dates back to the Civil War. It's the call of the end of the day. It's played at the burials for military funerals, honoring the sacrifices of our armed servicemen and women, right? All those who give of themselves in the military, the sacrifices that their families make. Okay, this isn't a glorification of war. What's it a glorification of? In the face of the evil that we know is there courage, self-sacrifice, the virtues of those who are willing to give of themselves are real. And we have the opportunity to participate in that. God gives us his very self, gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us in whatever may come. We thank God for those who have gone before us and give us a good example. And on this Pentecost, thank God for the fact that
that we don't just have good examples, going all the way back to the apostles to current day saints, we have the opportunity to participate as well. Not to spend our life passing the time, killing time, playing solitaire, but becoming the saints that God has called us to be. He pours out the Holy Spirit upon us. He says, peace be with you. And then he sends us out there to spread his love, the light of the Holy Spirit to the whole world. Praise be Jesus Christ.